Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your solo host today on the show. There's no Kyle Krabs. He is off today, tending to some family affairs that need his attention. And so I'm going to steer this ship today solo, and we're going to have some fun because we've got a really exciting weekend ahead of us in college football, particularly for an NFL draft scouting perspective. There are a lot of prospects with big-time matchups that I cannot wait to get into and tell you what I'm going to be focusing on this weekend. There is uh, some big-time quarterbacks, some that we haven't, we're, not, we're not even talking about yet that need our attention with big, big tests this weekend. So a lot to get into, and I can't wait to do it with you. The, uh, the first thing that I want to get into, though, is the game tonight. There's a 5.30 kick between Wake Forest and Boston College in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Yours truly is heading up to Winston to take in this game. I'll be credentialed for it. So it'll be a great opportunity for me to get some eyes on some really good prospects and get to interact with them a little bit. And uh, there's some dudes, man, in this game. If you have a chance to, to watch this at 5.30, it'll probably be over before the NFL game. The Bengals and Ravens play tonight. That's a good football game. You can watch this thing at 5.30 and then focus your attention on the uh, in the NFL later on. So uh, there's some future NFL players in this game that I want to mention that you need to be excited about as well. Let's start off with Wake Forest. Um, now on offense, they've got an offensive lineman by the name of Phil Haynes. He's number 74. He plays left guard. He's a player that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, but I think he has NFL starter potential. He's big. He's powerful. He's a four-year starter, a team captain, and he's a guy that just knows how to move bodies out of the way. And so against this Boston College front seven, that is a very physical group. You know, we'll talk about Zach Allen here in a minute, but I think it's going to be a good test for him to see how he matches up with them and in, in what's uh, the last first ACC game for his career. I think he's got NFL starting potential. Keep your eyes on him. Matt Colburn. They're running back number 22. Now, Cade Carney, he's a junior uh, running back who's a bruiser. He gets a, a good bit of the carries, but Colburn does as well. He is a really compact runner, physical. He catches the football. He's pretty elusive, and uh, he's just really shifty. And I love the power that he complements his elusive traits with. And, and I think that he's a player that I'm not sure he's going to be a feature back or anything like that in the NFL, but I think he's going to have a role and he's going to be a good football player. That's probably a day three pick that has an opportunity to make a team and, and, and be part of the offense. They have a wide receiver there. Greg Dorch. He's number three, big fan of his game. Think Jamison Crowder here. I did a piece on him uh, after the two lane game, his first game of the season where it was his first action since puncturing his intestine last year falling on a pylon and uh, he's just been one of the most productive receivers in the ACC but we don't talk about him very much we always talk about Kelvin Harmon and Amon Richards those guys are good players but Greg Dorch he's a redshirt sophomore so there's no guarantee he's the guy that we're talking about for this coming draft but he does have that makeup 
of a super competitive small receiver with good ball skills, runs good routes. He's productive in the return game, and I think he could be a useful player on Sundays. Again, think Jamison Crowder there. So from the offensive side of the ball, that's what I'm looking at. Ryan Anderson's their center. He's okay. He's someone to keep in mind. But those are the three players that I'm really focusing on from an offensive perspective uh, for Wake Forest. Their quarterback's pretty fun. He's a true freshman, Sam Hartman. He's played really well in his first two games of the year. His first real test now comes uh, in, in, in against uh, Boston College, his first ACC game. On the defensive side of the ball, Cameron Glenn's a pretty good safety, but my eyes are going to be on Isang Bassey. He's a junior corner. He's a little small, but he's lightning quick with his footwork. He's very fluid with his hips, and he plays the ball really well in the air. Now, you get concerned about his physicality a little bit, and that's why I think Boston College, a team that is a run-heavy offense, will give him plenty of opportunities to be that D-gap defender, to tackle, to come up and hit people. And so I'm anxious to see his willingness to do that because from a, from a footwork, from a fluidity, from a playing the ball perspective, I like him. Just want to see him uh, not get big boy. And so this is going to be a good test for him. Good players on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, folks. And they're a really fun offense. This was one of the better offenses in the ACC last year. Uh, John Wolford was their quarterback, and he's gone. But this true freshman is a player, and he's got some receivers. Sage Sherratt has been really productive. Alex Bachman has been really productive, but like I mentioned there, Greg Dorch is really the guy who's, uh, I think, the guy with the most NFL upside right now. But uh, don't sleep on this Wake offense because it's a really fun group. Now, looking over at the Boston College side of things, uh, when we talk about them on offense, it really starts with Chris Lindstrom, uh, their offensive lineman. He's number 75. He's played guard and tackle. I think he's playing right guard for them right now. He's a physical dude. I think this is a player who has that uh, that day one starter upside in the NFL to you know quickly play and contribute and start for an NFL team. Watch this guy, man. Uh, Wake Forest, front seven, not necessarily the strength of their team. I think he's going to move bodies all over the football field. I really do. I think he's that good. And uh, if you're looking for a, a gap power type offensive lineman, you're going to find a good one here in Chris Lindstrom. He's a very balanced and pass pro, although he's not the greatest athlete. And he's not super long. You put him on the inside, I think he's got day one starter potential. John Baker, number 77, their, uh, their offensive center. Good football player. He's coming back from an injury that cost him last year. But um, if you go back to his 2016 tape, you saw a player that has an NFL skill set. Not sure if he's going to be you know, like a top 50 or 75 guy, but a guy that I think is going to wind up being a rosterable player that may uh, contend for a starting gig in time. Uh, obviously, people want to talk about A.J. Dillon, their running back, but he's not eligible yet. So he's just a true sophomore. Keep an eye on him for next year. He's a pretty dynamic player. He's super productive. Now, on defense, they got a couple of guys that really excite me. First of all, Zach Allen. He's number two. He plays defensive line, plays a lot on the edge. He'll kick inside and play on the interior quite a bit. Super, super powerful. Uh, really strong at the point of attack. Really aggressive with his hands. He's very physical. He knows how to shed blocks. He plays with an insane motor, uh, but I'm not super sold on him athletically. Right? I don't think he's going to have that flexibility to really be a guy that can take wide rush angles and win from the edge as a pass rusher. So he's a guy that I think he needs to play for a team that's going to be multiple with their fronts and uh, you know going to use him inside and outside based on situations uh, to take advantage of what he brings. Now, going against this Wake offense that – will test you horizontally, horizontally, that will uh, do a lot of different things offensively. It's a pretty fun offense. I think it's going to be a good test for him to show that mobility. Maybe it's better than I thought. Now, he's an experienced player, so I've seen a lot of tape on him, 
But, uh, you know, has he made growth in terms of his quickness, his agility, all those types of things? We're going to find out against this Wake, this Wake offense. The other guy to keep an eye on here is Lucas Dennis. He is, uh, he's a safety. He, he led the ACC in interceptions last year. He, he is a ball magnet, and uh, it just finds him. And that's just a tribute. That's a, you know, that's a, uh, a compliment to his coverage skills and his awareness because he's always in position. He's always near the ball. And uh, uh, one thing that I, I haven't seen as much from him is him being physical and a guy that's willing to play forward. I like him in single high looks. He does some man stuff, but he's not a great tackler. He's one of those ankle nippers, latch on from the side type guys. So we'll see what he does. He's going to have some chances to tackle some good receivers. He's going to have a chance to tackle Cade Carney and Matt Colburn, a couple physical backs. So this will be a good test for him as well, a guy that, you know, if you love the interceptions and the ball production, he's going to have uh, some of the best when it comes to that. All right, let's get over to the Saturday slate now uh, after you've already seen this uh, this Thursday game. There's plenty of good football players to see on Saturday. First and foremost, I want to talk about Jared Stidham, the quarterback for Auburn. He's going up against LSU, and that is a good secondary. And so we're going to see, we're going to learn some things about Jared Stidham. Uh, there's been some reports lately uh, coming from Matt Miller, a Bleacher Report, that he's heard from scouts that Jared Stidham right now is the guy that's kind of like QB1 in the NFL eyes. Now, he's not QB1 for me at all. I, I like a lot of players more than I like Jared Stidham. But, you know, you think about the size, the mobility, a guy that can kind of push the ball down the field. He does those things. I think he's super underdeveloped with his processing skills. He doesn't really do anything to work his progressions and move coverage and manipulate them with his eyes and, and you know throw with anticipation all that well. I like his raw physical skill set. I just don't know that I see like a, a an NFL starter. He's raw and has upside. But you know, look if you're gonna if you're gonna prove me wrong, you're gonna do it against this LSU defense that has a really uh, it's really loaded when it comes to the NFL prospects, particularly in the secondary. And that's why I think you know it's such a great test for Stidham, Greedy Williams, cornerback one. He's gonna take away half the field, and so uh, how does he deal with Greedy? Is he willing to throw with anticipation? Is he willing to play in rhythm? That's one thing I thought with Stidham. He's a slow processor. You know, is he going to be able to take advantage of the rhythm that's required to be the cornerback like Greedy Williams? On the other side of Williams is, is uh, Christian Fulton, former five-star recruit. We saw him uh, in the opener against Miami. He looked really, really good. And uh, he's a guy that has a ton of ability, you know, kind of has those number one lockdown, lockdown traits of a, of a number one NFL corner. And that's just, you know, that's bookend corners that we're going to find out, you know, how Stidham can test these guys. Grant Delpit at safety. I mean, he's like the next Minka Fitzpatrick type safety. There's guys everywhere on this defense. On the second level, Devin White. And he plays like his hair's on fire, super athletic, physical linebacker. Rashard Lawrence up front, really talented pass rusher. So there's talent on all three levels of this defense, particularly in the secondary. And so if Stidham's going to be QB1, you know, a strong performance against this LSU defense is going to go a long way in solidifying that. Another game I got to mention here, Alabama versus Ole Miss. Man, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, two prominent takeaways when I think about what I want to see in this game. First of all, Ole Miss left tackle Greg Little. Uh, five-star recruit, 6'5", 325. He looks the part. He looks like the guy – that if you ask the, the the NFL draft prospect machine to give you an offensive tackle, it looks like Greg Williams. He's long and he's athletic and he's really powerful. There are times where he can overwhelm opponents with his power. 
His feet move really well. He's long, like I said. He's got all the traits. Physical upside's all there. Everything you're looking for. Technical nightmare, though. Really wide with his hands. And when you're wide with your punch and you're late with your punch, it exposes your chest, and defensive linemen can do whatever they want with you. And so going up against guys like Raekwon Davis, Isaiah Bugs, Anthony Jennings, really technical, good with their hands, powerful defensive linemen, he's going to see them all. And if he's had growth technically, we'll see it against his Bama team because if he hasn't, they're the right players to take advantage of and expose his weaknesses, especially Raekwon Davis. I've talked about him. He reminds me of DeForest Buckner. And if you're going to be late and wide with your punch, Raekwon Davis is going to eat you alive with his length, his, his power, and his hand technique. And so those one-on-one battles are going to be critical to see if Little has grown. And so when Ole Miss has the ball, I know you want to watch the wide receivers and tight ends, which we're going to get to in a second, but check out that left tackle and see how he's grown because those tools are tantalizing, but the technique has to be there or else he's going to be a project. These Ole Miss pass catchers are unbelievable. I mean, this is, this is a rare group of pass catchers. DK Metcalf, Demarcus Lodge, A.J. Brown, all top 50 type players. Dawson Knox, their tight end. All of those guys have top 50 upside. They're all great athletes. They all have great ball skills. They all run great routes. They're physical at the release and at the catch point. They have speed, size. I mean, they're literally all the total package. There are NFL teams that would much prefer having this quartet of pass catchers than what they have right now. And so, you know, make no mistake about it. We hype up this Ole Miss group of, of weapons, and they deserve every bit of it because they're all freaking good, and they're all going to be Sunday players that are important pieces of their offense. And so obviously they're going against this Bama defense, which good Lord, I mean, this is a great test, right? Like we keep talking about now, this Alabama secondary is a group that we're still learning about. They lost Anthony Averett, Tony Brown, Levi Wallace, all three of their top corners. They lost, lost Ronnie Harrison and Minka Fitzpatrick, their top two safeties last year. There are five, their top five DBs are gone. And so we're working in these new, this new group, which we're still learning about. We don't know if these guys are good or not. The one guy we do know is good is their safety, Deontay Thompson, who I've talked about several times on this show. I think he's a stud. I think he's a top 20 type talent. And so when you think about him in this game, there's going to be opportunities for him to line up in man coverage against Dawson Knox and A.J. Brown, who they primarily work from the slot. There's going to be times where he's going to work single high and he's going to have to read the backfield and pick, you know, keep things in front of him and take great angles and break on the ball. That's exactly what he does well. He saw it in the Louisville game, a tremendous example of range ball skills and instincts. Well, this Ole Miss team is going to challenge him with Sunday players at the pass catcher positions, and it's going to be a great test for him. The other guy in the Alabama defense, I know I've mentioned a lot of prospects already with their defensive line and now Thompson, but on the second level, Mac Wilson, a really, really, really good space player. And so, Look, Dawson Knox, A.J. Brown work in the middle of the field. You know, I'm sure Ole Miss is going to try to do some quick game on the, on the perimeter, also in the middle of the field. And so him moving around, reacting properly, reading his keys, getting to his spots, winning in space, continuing to prove that he's the player that we saw against Georgia in the national championship, I think it's a big game for Mac Wilson. And, uh, and I think he's got first-round ability as well. So Raquan Davis – the edge edge defensive lineman, number 99, number uh, 30, Mac Wilson, the linebacker, and number 14, Deontay Thompson. This is a big, big test for them. 
as well as the players on, on Ole Miss that I mentioned. So you want to watch some big boy football, you got to get your eyes on this Bama Ole Miss game because there are prospects galore. It's can't miss type stuff. One final prospect that I want to mention is a player, a quarterback that we're not talking about, but I think we need to. Talking about Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State quarterback, the successor to JT Barrett. I'll tell you what, JT Barrett is not an NFL quarterback. It wasn't hard to identify if you watch his tape. Outstanding college football player, historically great when it comes to Ohio State. Very, very little NFL appeal. When it comes to NFL appeal and Dwayne Haskins, oh my, the, the traits pop. I wrote about him in Six Pack Thursday today. I, I watched every throw he's made this season. Uh, he plays, played against Oregon State and Rutgers. Now, those aren't great competition, but it's, at least it's Power 5 competition. So far, in those two starts, 42 of 53. That's 79.2% completion percentage. He completes, uh, uh, like I said, 79.2%, 546 yards. That's an average of 10.3 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, one interception. His traits are off the charts. Look at him. He's got that sturdy frame. He's 6'3", 220. He can hang in the pocket. He's rhythmic with his drops. His footwork is sturdy. I like his throwing motion. His release is quick. He's got all the arm strength to drive the football where he needs to. His lower body throwing mechanics in terms of setting a platform and and following through on his throws and driving that 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 back leg through is really good. And he really controls the football where he wants to go with accuracy. Uh, in Six Pack Thursday, you'll see one throw that I highlighted, a window throw where he worked it in perfectly over the linebacker in front of the secondary and with touch and zip, if that even makes sense. Like, I think he's got a really special skill set. Now, I don't want to get too carried away because, like I said, it's been Rutgers and it's been Oregon State. But this man plays TCU on Saturday. And this is going to be a really good test for him. Now, he's going to have a lot of good tests coming. He's going to play a lot of those Big Ten teams, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin. He's going to see them all. But this is the first one, right? This is the first one that we get to see against what, you know, look, Gary Patterson's always, always feels competitive defenses and really maximizes his roster. And so Dwayne Haskins against Gary Patterson and that TCU defense is going to be really exciting. Haskins is a redshirt sophomore. There's no guarantee that this is a player that's going to come out. But if he continues to play like he has, and he's going to be a top 10 pick or a top five pick or maybe the number one overall pick, well, then we need to start talking about him. And so get your eyes on this guy because we're going to learn some things this weekend against a really good, historically really good TCU defense when it comes to at least Big 12 standards. You know, I know, I know we like to clown on the Big 12 and their defenses and uh, how underwhelming they can be, but uh, this is a good test for Haskins, and I'm really, really intrigued by him. Uh, one other note. One other note. We got. I got to get into this Nate Peterman, Josh Allen type thing here, where Sean McDermott named Josh Allen starting quarterback for Sunday's game against the Chargers. I think it's the right move. I talked about in the past about how it was the right move for for Peterman to get that starting job. I don't think Sean McDermott made a mistake starting Nate Peterman. He earned the job. He was lights out in preseason. Josh Allen was pretty good in preseason, but Nate Pat Peterman was clearly the best quarterback on the team. I'm sure Nate Peterman's great in the classroom, but for whatever reason, it doesn't translate on Sundays. The Chargers game last year, historically bad. The opening game against the Ravens, awful. There's no way you can go back to him. Sean McDermott didn't make a mistake starting Nate Peterman. He would have made a mistake going back to Nate Peterman. I don't know how you go back to him, and he didn't. The Josh Allen era is here. 
Now, look, there's plenty to say about this Buffalo offense, bad offensive line, and a group of pass catchers that nobody's excited about. Bills are undermanned. They're $50 million in dead cap space. They're paying $50 million to players that aren't even on the team. They're undermanned. There's no question about it. But you've got to fail forward with Josh Allen. It's time to do that. Not necessarily because I want it to be time or maybe that Josh Allen's perfectly ready. You just cannot go back to Peter. And so you have to embrace the situation, get Allen the experience right now. Nobody expects the Bills to play well. Nobody does. Everyone said all summer that Buffalo is going to be picking in contention for the first overall pick in the draft. And so far, the way they played against the Ravens, that's absolutely right. But this is a Goff-Trubisky thing. The players weren't in place for Goff or Trubisky in year one. Now, in year two, both of those teams have much improved offensive lines, offensive weapons, if you look at both of those situations. Not every quarterback gets this Patrick Mahomes scenario, right? Like, that's the ideal scenario. You come in, you're drafted, you sit behind a guy like Alex Smith, you have a, a veteran offensive line where everyone's returning. You have one of the best tight ends in the game in Travis Kelsey. Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, a running back in Kareem Hunt, an experienced coach, and Andy Reid. Not every quarterback gets the stars aligned like that for him to start his NFL career and, and become the starting quarterback. It's not going to happen for Josh Allen. Am I concerned that they're going to ruin Josh Allen by him going out there when he's not ready and not playing well? Not really. Josh Josh Allen didn't play well for Wyoming last year. I've never seen a a prospect criticized as much as I have Josh Allen. If I'm worried about his mental toughness, the way that he's conducted himself throughout last season, the draft process, and this quarterback race has given me no indication that I need to be concerned with him mentally. You've got to fail forward with Josh Allen and it's mostly because you just can't go back to Nate Peter. There's no way you go back to that locker room and say, we're going back to Nate Peter. He can't play on Sundays. Million bucks in practice, great in the preseason, can't play on Sunday. Can't go back to him as your starter. So the Josh Allen era is here. I know a lot of people are rooting against him because they didn't like him as a prospect. I had a third-round grade up. We'll see how he goes. The upside, even the people who don't like Josh Allen recognize his upside because he has rare physical tools. And you know what? He hadn't looked like he hadn't looked all that bad so far in the preseason and is is the action he saw in relief of Peterman against the Ravens. He's played he played pretty well, pretty well. I think that's probably my biggest encouragement right now with Josh Allen is that he hasn't made the boneheaded mistakes that he showed in college at Wyoming. Okay? And he hasn't had that bad of accuracy issues. He's missed some throws, but it's not like he did at Wyoming. So I think there's growth. And look, we're going to find out. Playing the Los Angeles Chargers in Buffalo on Sunday, the Josh Allen era is here. Thank you so much for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast today. I hope you enjoyed this uh, this episode of me kind of talking about what I'm excited to see this weekend in terms of NFL draft prospects. And, and, and talk a little Buffalo Bills, a little Josh Allen, Nate Peterman. It's a big storyline. We finally have our second of five rookie quarterbacks getting a chance to start for the respective teams. Only a matter of time before Rosen and Mayfield are in there. But we'll we'll, uh, we'll deal with that when we have to. Right now it's about Sam Darnold and Josh Allen when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. You can follow me on Twitter, at the Joe Marino. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star rating. 
Until tomorrow, thank you so much for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.